Let's begin with prayer. Dear Lord, we're so thankful that we can take this day to set aside all that we deal with all week long and come to worship you. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that we can call you our Father, that we can come to you for help in every need. And we pray, Father, for your blessing this morning on this service as we open your word that you would inspire, that you would speak to each one of us, that you would provide for every need, that you would encourage and uplift and direct our lives so that it may be in line with what you want us to be. Heavenly Father, bless your word and make it come alive now, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. The last day or two, the Lord has laid on my heart a specific scripture that I hadn't read for a long time or preached about ever that I know of, which is found in Luke 17. If you want to read along, Luke 17, beginning with verse 11. This was later in Jesus' ministry, and uh, he ended it before talking about faith and, and being profitable and unprofitable servants, what he expects of us. And then this experience came on him. It says, and it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, shew yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. The Lord is worthy that we bow before him in prayer. Loving Father in heaven, we come before thy throne of grace this morning hour to first of all lift thy name up, for thou art our Father who art in heaven. And may thy name be hallowed and revered and honoured by all upon this earth, though it is not the case. But at least amongst thy people, those that love thee, those that have submitted to your will. Father in heaven, may thy kingdom come and thy will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. In our lives and in the lives of our loved ones. 
But Father, we pray most of all for our greatest need. Though our daily bread is needed, but we pray for our greatest need, and that is forgiveness of sin. Father, as we have read this passage this morning, we're thankful for the picture that you have given us of those that were afflicted with the infirmity of leprosy, a symbol for sin in your word, a symbol for corruption. And it was a sad story that only nine, that only one out of the ten accepted your healing and were thankful for it. And the other nine just walked away. Father in heaven, we pray this morning that we would all see the value of your salvation. That those that have not yet made a covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ will see themselves as lepers, spiritual lepers, full of corruption and sin, being born into this world, tainted with the, the nature of Adam, and as death reigned from Adam to Moses, so condemnation came upon all men in that we are all sinners. Father in heaven, this is why we come to hear your word. This is why your gospel is preached. For how shall they believe except it is preached? And how shall it be preached except there be a preacher? And how can there be preachers unless they're sent by you? Father, we pray that as your word goes forth this morning, that our hearts will be opened as the heart of Lydia was, and the heart of Cornelius was, and the heart of the Ethiopian eunuch was, and the heart of the Philippian jailer was. That as your word comes forth, that we may see ourselves as you, as you see us, that we may recognize and realize that we are undone before you and that we need to reach out and cry out to thee, the living God, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death. Father in heaven, we pray that as your word goes forth, that there be many that turn their hearts to you because the harvest truly is great and the laborers are few. Father, we pray a special blessing upon Brother Frank as he would utter your words and expound upon the gospel that is before us, giving wisdom and understanding and the passion to speak the truth in season and out of season. Be with those that are not here, Father, the sick, the shut-in. We have already heard of Brother Richard that is afflicted with so many infirmities. We pray for him, that you would comfort him and strengthen him and visit him through closed doors and encourage us also to, to call him up and visit him and spend time with him, a brother in Jesus Christ. Be with those that are not here also that are sick. Be thou their comfort and strength. Uh, we are having even in our midst those that are suffering 
with illness and disease. We pray that you would be merciful and gracious to them. Pray for Sister Olga, that you would be with her and comfort her and strengthen her and give her healing in her body. For Sister Monica, for Brother Istvan, for all those that are suffering. Lord, we pray that you'd give them understanding and somehow come to a resolution as to why this has come upon them and in it that you would speak to them in the stillness and comfort their hearts and know that they would know that all things work for the good to them that are thee called according to thy purpose. Father, we pray for those that are going through great struggles in life. It may not be a physical disease or illness, but nevertheless the struggles are causing great distress and, and anxiousness and worry. Father, we pray that you would also visit them and help them to be still, to know that you are God and that all things come from thee and that our dependency is in thee. And then when you are with us, what have we to fear? What have we to, to be afraid of? To worry about. Father, we thank you for your presence with us this morning. We pray that you would continue to be with us as we look forward to a blessing from your word. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. spend a fair amount of time thinking about this the last day or two and praying especially to see what the Lord teaches me and I'm sure that the other brothers that preach have the same experience that the Lord says a whole lot more to us when we look at these scriptures and when we pray about them. This particular scripture is, is an interesting one. It's only recorded in Luke about these 10 lepers Leprosy is an awful disease that it, there is a cure, there is a, there's medicine for it now. So in most parts of the world, it is under control or eradicated completely. It's something certainly we don't see where we live. But it's a terrible, terrible disease. Leprosy can cover you from top to bottom in, in Leviticus. Just want to read a couple of verses here. It talks about in Leviticus 13 and 14, there's, it describes all the things that was referred to in our chapter of what they needed to do when they go to the priest to be pronounced clean of leprosy because they tended to put other skin diseases and other things in with leprosy at that time just to be safe. And here it says, talks in verse 44 of Leviticus 13, he is a leprous man, he is unclean. The priest shall pronounce him utterly unclean. His plague is in his head, and the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent, and his head bare, and he shall put a covering upon his upper lip, and shall cry, unclean, unclean. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. He is unclean. 
he shall dwell alone. Without the camp shall be his habitation. They had, it was a stigma, it was a, a, a thing in that society that they had to be separated. They had their own places, and as a result, that is why we find here a, a group of nine Jews and one Samaritan. Usually they don't mix. They didn't like one another. They didn't work well one another. They tolerated one another at best. And so here we find that there's one of these strangers, as he calls them here, a Samaritan, and nine of these Jews. Leprosy, to, to get the picture, we need to picture what this would look like. This white groweth on your skin in various places, and it describes it in Leviticus 14 of how to detect it, what it would look like, and, and, and at what point they needed to be put away. So this is really a difficult, difficult disease. It completely ruins your life. You're an outcast. It's a disease where it's a real contrast because these people, the nerves die off. And as a result of that, they live pain-free. They are outcasts, but they have no pain because the nerves die off. And often they would lose fingers or a hand, eyes, nose. They would lose these things. And something I ran across yesterday, I'll read it for you. A man that went down the Jaffa Road, he says, sauntering down the Jaffa Road, on my approach to the holy city, I was startled out of my daydreaming by the sudden apparition, the appearance of a crowd of beggars. Without eyes, nose, hair, they held up to me their handless arms, unearthly sounds gurgled through their throats without pallets. In a word, I was horrified. An awful scene. I'm not trying to gross anyone out, but we need to understand who these men were that came and it said that as he was passing right between Samaria and Galilee, that's the setting for the story, he entered a village there, and there met him ten lepers which stood afar off. A hundred paces was the law that they had to stay away from people. That's as close as they could come. Just imagine living that kind of a life. Diseased, limbs falling apart, one man that worked uh, with, with these, a doctor that worked with a, a camp in leprosy, said one time he was curious as to why they were losing, mysteriously, overnight, fingers, toes. So they set a watch and they watched. And because of their complete lack of feeling, no pain at all, while they were sleeping, rats would come at night and gnaw away at their fingers and their toes. That's, uh, I can't imagine a greater misery than that, except as Brother Doug prayed, the fact that this symbolizes sin in any of our lives. And some people, sin will eat away at them and destroy them bit by bit like these rats did to the lepers. We need to be careful with that, all of us, that we don't 
get so desensitized to things around us. And I don't want to preach much about that. The Lord has really given me a, a different focus on this. One, to learn the lessons that we can from this particular account of what happened. Many, many came to Jesus. This is the only one where 10 came, but earlier in Luke, in chapter 5, verse 12, he was in a certain city, and it says, Behold a man full, full of leprosy, full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. This was not acceptable. This man stepped out of the range that he was supposed to be in, and he came right to Jesus. And it shows us that even if we do have sin, if we are humble, and if we let God work in our lives, he still allows us to approach him, even though we're not worthy, even though we should be far away from him. We have a merciful, a loving God that we can approach, we can come close to. But notice here, he put his head on the ground here, fell on his face. It's interesting, I read an account recently of a, an African tribe where, where when they come to one another, they humble themselves. They actually put their forehead down on the ground. That is the kind of humility that is expected of us. And this single leper had it. He saw Jesus. He had already heard about what Jesus can do. We all know what Jesus can do. But a lot of times we don't let him do it. A lot of times we don't get close enough for him to touch us as he did this leper. This leper said, it says, he put forth, Jesus put forth his hand and touched him. That's a death sentence to touch a leper for a man. But this was God through Jesus Christ in his body that came for us. And it says, Jesus put forth his hand, touched him, and saying, I will. If we come to God and ask sincerely, he too will say to us, I will. Be thou clean. If anyone has sin in their lives, come to God. Come close to God. We all need to come and humble ourselves, bow ourselves down, realize who we're dealing with, and realize that he can do all these things. And in this particular instance, it was much earlier, he said, immediately the leprosy departed from him. That's how quickly we can be healed, sometimes physically, but there's times too we need to endure physical issues because that is simply God's will, or perhaps we have brought it upon ourselves. This case, in this case, Jesus said to him, charged him not to tell anyone, but this man was so excited and so enthusiastic, and who wouldn't be? Instead of an outcast now, he's healed. Instead of being in a camp with other lepers, he can go wherever he wants to. He can do whatever he wants to. He can work if he wants to. 
He can visit. He can be with people. Freedom. And here we have these ten lepers, and they had heard about Jesus, obviously, and they came. They stood at a distance, as was right, but they did have the faith to seek out Jesus. Do we have the faith when there's a problem in our lives to go seek out Jesus? To call on his name, as the Bible says in many places. It's so simple. The life that God has ordained for us is an abundant life, a simple life. I always am concerned when I hear about people worrying about this and about that. That is not for us to do, brothers and sisters. We are to live worry-free because we're to give it to God. These men had the faith to seek him out. These men had the faith to ask. They said, Jesus, master, teacher, have mercy on us. Do we have that kind of faith? Do we have that kind of humility that no matter what our problem is, no matter what the sin may be, my friends, it doesn't matter how big the sin is in your life. If you come in faith and ask, the Bible says, if you ask, if you seek, if you knock, he will not turn anyone away. He'll answer every one of us. He'll provide for every one of us. And he'll open the door to come in to salvation, to freedom from sin. And so these men asked. But it's important, as I think of this, to, to look at a couple of scriptures that popped into my mind this morning as I was praying and pondering this. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus speaking, he says, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And it goes on to tell a sad story that I want, don't want to get into. You can read it yourselves. But this, he warns us, Lord, Lord, there are many that call on the Lord, but only when they need him as a last resort. There are many that call him master, but if he is really Lord, it says in other scriptures, it says, you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say. We can't just say it and not do it. We can't just proclaim to be Christians and talk. We also need to walk. We also need to live the way that God wants us and needs us to live. And that scripture, that, that thing that Brother Doug prayed about this morning, about the harvest and the few workers has been laying heavy on my heart the last while. How much more we could be doing if we follow Jesus' example to tell others of the good things he's done for us. And our testimony is the easiest and simplest thing to do that. And I know many of you are minded that way, and I'm thankful for that. But we all need to be. We are all here for a reason, brothers and sisters, and that is to do the work of the Lord. Is he Lord of your life and mine? Or am I doing what I want to do, and when I need him, then I'll call Lord? 
Too often I find myself in that position. Too often. If he is Lord and master of our lives, we need to do as he asks. We need to go and do as the Bible says. And if you ever look at the number of goes that are in the Bible and the number of do's, a simple little two-letter word that's so hard because it asks us to step out of our comfort zone if we are to go into the ripe fields that are ripe for harvest that is expected of us. And so we see here this story as it goes on. It says, when he saw them, different from this one leper that came very close that he touched and healed immediately, it says, when he saw them, he said to them, he just responded, go show yourselves to the priests. A simple command. I think of Abraham that was said, go into the land that I'm going to show you. The command was to go. He just went. He didn't know how long and where and how. He just went. And so these lepers had the faith. They had the obedience to go. I don't know their mindset. I don't know what motivated them. It could have been just desperation saying, what do we got to lose? He said, go, let's go. Maybe some of them had heard or read about Naaman in the Old Testament and how he was healed of leprosy in a different way again. Obedience. How obedient are we? When we come into a place like this, wherever it is, Whenever we read this word, I believe with all my heart that God wants to challenge us to do better. It's easy just to sit here and listen to a comforting word. And I don't know why God wanted this spoken on this morning, but I know he always has a reason. Often for me, and I'm sure for others as well, because the Spirit speaks. But obedience is so important here because it says... As they went, the same thing. They obeyed. They went on their way to the priest. What the conversational mindset is, we don't know. But all ten went to the priest. And we don't know how far up the road or how far away it was. But as they went to their local priest, their local place of worship, they, it says they were cleansed. As we are obedient to God, he will provide whatever the need is. It doesn't matter whether the need is great, as it was in their situation, or small. God specializes in meeting the needs that we have, especially in those things which are impossible to us, where he can shine, where it's clear that it wasn't man-made, but that he did it for us. They were obedient. They had faith, these lepers. And Jesus immediately, because he knew them, as he knows you and I, said, go yourself, show yourselves to the priests. He didn't promise anything, and yet they were obedient and were cleansed. And as they were cleansed, I think the real lesson in this for us, it says, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, and that wouldn't be hard to see, that was a life-changing, 
day and night experience for these poor lepers, these sad people that were outcasts, had to live by themselves. They even had to depend on others for food to bring it in, in many cases. They were beggars of the worst and the sad, uh, the, the saddest people that I could possibly imagine. And then it says, one of them turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. He turned back. Jesus didn't say, go show yourselves to the priests. Then I want the glory. You come back to me and you praise me for what I've done. Not at all. But this one of his own accord said, saw that this, and he came back and with a loud voice glorified God. And the challenge to me and to you is, how often do we do this sort of thing? When we know, we ask for, and I know a brother had a discussion with him recently where we have various small groups at home, and one of the brothers is a real prayer warrior, and they pray often, and he keeps a book of the requests that as they pray, and then they go back and revisit and pray again, or make sure they thank God for the things that God has answered. Do we do that? Are we grateful? Do we too turn back when God has said so, done something for us and say, Lord, the glory be to you. Thank you for what you've done for me. He fell down on his face, humbled himself at his feet, giving him thanks. And that's where it says he was a Samaritan. What he displayed here is what I like to call an attitude of gratitude. Attitudes in our lives are big. We all have them. And some people, you know them, where others say, watch out, he's got an attitude. We know that's a bad attitude. We need to have this attitude of gratitude. We need to be people that realize constantly the blessings that God gives us. The things that happen to us that aren't by chance because there is no luck in a Christian's life. There is no, it just happened for no reason. Everything has a reason and God ordains things that way. We need to have an attitude to realize that God has worked in our lives. We need to have this attitude of gratitude. In Ephesians, I think of some of these verses often where it says, giving thanks always for all things to God. How do you and I measure up to that? Giving thanks always for all things. If we start our prayers by thanking God for the little blessings and the big blessings, for the people in our lives, for our congregation, our brothers and sisters, it's amazing how everything, that the focus that is on us now is directed towards others. The focus is not on ourselves. We don't come to God and say, oh, woe is me. 
but rather we pray for others. And I have told others and, and, and others have seen that too as I have and still am learning it. The more we do for others, the more grateful we are to God for other people in our lives. And the more we pray for others and help others, the more things we have to be thankful for for us in our own lives. It says, whatsoever we do in deed or word, or, or deed or word rather, we need to give thanks to God for everything. We need to glorify him. A verse to live by, one of those that really stands out is in Philippians 4 that I think of sometimes. That I referred to before, it says, be careful for nothing, Paul wrote to the Philippians. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. We are to pray with thanksgiving. Because if we have a lot to be thankful for, then we realize even more things that we need to be thankful for. And if we count our blessings, as the song says, it's amazing. I read an account of a woman that started writing down blessings in her life when she was a teenager. And many years later, she had written down, on a daily basis this was, she had written down 14,000 things that she had experienced, was happy about, and was thankful for in her life as they occurred. Think about that. Count your blessings. 14,000 in this woman's life. Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? A big question. Are you and I the one that has come back? Is going back continually to be grateful, to thank God? Are we part of those nine? Notice here that Jesus was committed to doing good. Jesus was committed to healing and helping and to preach the gospel to the lost so they would be unbound, so the chains of their sin would be broken. These nine, Jesus did not say, I'm going to bring their leprosy back on them. I'm going to curse them again with this leprosy. No. He just simply asked, where are the nine? I healed ten. Only one came back. The lesson for us here, the challenge for us, is that we need to be among that one, that we need to be the one that comes back and make sure that we're not part of the nine that forgets God. It's so easy, isn't it, to forget God when things are good. And I find so often that God will bring things in my life to make sure I come back to him. Because if you've been sick and then you're healed, aren't you thankful? Brother Richard apparently is going through that right now. We need to pray for him and all that are sick. But we need to thank God too when they're healed. We need to be thankful, not just when we've overcome something, but ahead of time thank God 
for the day he's given us today, for all the blessings. And if we started now, we could probably go for a long time. If I would ask every one of us to stand up and say, what are you thankful for this morning? We should be here for many hours because we have a lot to be thankful for. Here, we have the nine. And there's a danger, there's a real danger in Romans The first chapter, there's a warning for us too. Talking about those that know God, it says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. It's a duty we have, but it's a privilege we have to come to God and thank him and praise him for all that he's done for us and for others. These nine illustrate the ingratitude of mankind. We live in a world that always wants more. They're never happy with what they've got. People want promotions, they want more money. They want a bigger and a fancier car. They want a bigger house. Then they want a, another house. And then they have another house somewhere else. And, and on and on it goes. And we need to be content with what we have, with who we are. That's probably harder than what we have. God has made you and I special. Let's thank him for that. Let's glorify God for the talents that he's given us, the abilities he's given us, and maybe thank him for the things that he hasn't given us. I thank God for the things that he hasn't given me because I know if I had them, it wouldn't be any good. We need to be thankful. We need to have this attitude of gratitude, and we need to have it from morning till night in every situation, especially when we have a problem especially when we're sitting in traffic and, and there's somebody that lifts up that middle finger to us and, and when we're sick at home in bed and when life is difficult and hard. I had one of those days uh, about a week ago where I happened to be up in Barrie on business and, and a trip that would take me an hour and 45 minutes to get home took four hours. Every problem you can imagine, every detour and road closure you can imagine. And, and at one point it got so bad, I actually pulled over and put the seat back and had to relax and pray and, and, and just let God work because I was so riled up. God needs to work in us. We need to realize that we need to be thankful for every situation and realize why we're there and what God has done for us in that situation. There are none not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. A verse that really jumped out at me about a year ago is in 1 Corinthians 10. It's kind of a mission statement. It says, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory 
of God. Every facet, every part of our lives, no matter how minuscule, no matter how insignificant it seems, let's be grateful. Do we thank God? Really, I know we pray when we eat, but is our heart in it? Christianity and this attitude of gratitude is a matter of the heart. It has to come from in. We can utter the words, we can pray, we can come to God and look pious and act pious, but God knows your heart and mine. He knows the attitude that you and I come with. Is it with humility? Is it with real gratitude for everything he's done already? And if you look back from the moment you got up this morning till now, there's a lot of things that we can be thankful for. This attitude of gratitude is so important. And the difference is that there's a lot of people that are religious, but it's all about relationship, not religion. A relationship with God, an intimate relationship where he knows us intimately and we want him to know us intimately. We have nothing to hide from him so that we can have this gratitude and realize that we're here for a reason and everything that God has given us today is a gift, is a blessing, even if it doesn't seem that way right now. I can think of many times in my life where I had to ask, Lord, why? What have I done? Why am I in this place? And sometimes God answered quickly, and other times God answered years and years later. But I need to be thankful for every moment, difficult or a great blessing to us. There's so much that we could talk about, and one chapter that came to my mind this morning as I considered this was in Psalm 107. And that's a whole different lesson, several lessons all by itself. This morning I jotted down, and I'm not going to expound, our time is, is, is done, but let me read these because I'm forgetful, and. That's a double-edged sword, forgetfulness. I've said to many people, maybe to some of you, that God has blessed me. I'm thankful for a bad memory. At times like this, standing here, I wish I had a razor-sharp one. But I need to write things down sometimes so I don't forget them. But it's a blessing because I forget a lot of the bad stuff that happens. People sometimes say, do you remember what he said? Do you remember what happened there? And I say, no, and I really don't. And I'm thankful for that. That's a blessing to me. See if any of these gel with you and I. And there's many more, but these are just some that I jotted down this morning. Reasons, causes of ingratitude. Reasons that keep us from being grateful, from having the proper attitude. And some of these apply to these 10 lepers that we talked about here. Sometimes we are thoughtless. We just don't really think things through. There's no introspection in our lives. Worldliness. These lepers probably were so joyed of, overjoyed of all the things they could do, they forgot God, who just gave them this amazing gift. Envy. We think of others. We're not thankful for what we have because we want what someone else has. Sometimes we're 
cowardly. Jesus was persecuted. Do we reflect on that? And, and, and that stops us from, from doing things? How about being gregarious? That's a big word. That basically means we like being in a crowd. We like being sociable. Young people have that problem. It's terrible. They all want to. I heard about a young man that was bullied and killed himself. And his father and his mother begged him to get away from that circle of friends. But he so badly wanted to fit in with those other young men. And they bullied him. And they were merciless to him. And in the end, he took his own life. What a sad thing. We want to be part of a crowd. God has made you and I individuals. Procrastination. That's a great one. We procrastinate. Yeah, we'll thank God later when I pray or, or whatever. I encourage you to do it right away. If you see a blessing, a small blessing, just say, thank you, Lord. And if you do that often enough, we're going to grow that attitude of gratitude. Sometimes we're calculating. We're men especially. We, we rationalize things away. We were logical. And so we think, that, that's why this happened. No, it's God. It's always God. Satan's deception. He is the arch deceiver and the father of lies, among many other things. Are we being deceived? And all of these, in a way, are his deception, especially when he says, later. If we're to do something good, if we're to thank him, if God says, come to me now, if God says, go do this now, do it right away. Don't procrastinate. Pride. Calloused. Sometimes when, as we grow old, we get calloused. And things don't penetrate as we ought to. We need to remain humble all the time. Some have a long-distance relationship. We hear about those in life. With God, we cannot. It has to be a very close, intimate, personal relationship. Sometimes we don't value the blessings. They're so small, they don't count. Let's count every little blessing. Gratitude is a self-rewarding virtue. Gratitude is something that if we have this attitude, it's amazing how it rubs off on other people. If we're thankful both to the Lord and to other people, and we thank people constantly, we're going to uplift somebody else and maybe urge them on to be more thankful. Especially we that are of the household of faith, we need to do that. This attitude shows itself in many ways. This last week I spent in our factory, usually I only go there maybe once every three or four weeks, and I went into our factory, and, and, and one of the men I don't speak very, to very often in office as I went by says, you can tell when you're around, because I have this unconscious habit of whistling. I'm happy. I'm thankful. The Lord has given me health to be there. He's given me work. He's given me whatever I need that day. Why shouldn't I whistle? Why shouldn't I be happy? So that others see it. Let's show to others our attitude of gratitude. Let me conclude with some of the verses in hymn 107. And I encourage you to read it because the psalmist seemed to have this urgency on his heart 
It talks about those that wandered and all those that, that had problems and sitting in darkness and those that are, it says one versus fools because of their transgression and because of their iniquities are afflicted. And they cry to the Lord. They cry to the Lord. A psalm about a problem and a solution of coming to the Lord. And then I think four different times I have it circled in my Bible that it says exactly the same thing. And that would be my encouragement for us. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Think, reflect on all the good he's done. The little things today, salvation, Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit, grace to live a life, power from God to overcome sin and Satan and to serve him and to live an abundant life, free from sin, free from encumbrances of this life, ready to do what he wants us to do. But we need to have this attitude that this one leper had. Oh, that men, let me rephrase it. Oh, that we would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. May the Lord give us grace to do that. One hundred and seventy-nine verses one and six.
Our God is worthy that we pray. Before we thee come, O great and holy God, Father of all who call thee in truth and who have given their lives over unto thee, O Father. And we thy people and thy children in this morning hour, wherever we are gathered upon the four corners of this earth, have gathered to hear thy word, Father, what thou hast for us today. And it is an amazing thing, Father, to know that we come before a God that is holy, that is perfect. A God which, when we look around, we see the magnitude, the awesomeness of thy power, thy creation. All that we see, Father, comes from thee. And Father, we come before thee confessing that many times we lose sight and focus of who you really are. And when we lose sight and focus of who you really are, it brings us to a point of struggles, brings us to a point where we struggle with sin and struggle with failure and struggle with thy commandments, Father. And so in this morning hour, you have awakened us and, and brought us to this place of worship, Father, for which we are greatly thankful unto thee for. And we thank thee so much, Father, for giving us the strength and the encouragement, the health, those of us who are here, to hear thy word and to gather around with like believers, like-minded believers, Father. And we pray unto thee, O Father, that thou wouldst take this morning hour and that thou wouldst bring us closer unto thee, that thou wouldst remind us that you are God and that you have created us and we are to live in the likeness of, the, of thine image, O Father, that we are to be as thy son if we are to be called thy children. And so help us, Father, that in this morning hour we who are called thy children would examine ourselves in the light of the mirror of thy holy word and that we would see where we need to correct, what we need to correct. Where have, we, where have we strayed? Where have we fallen, Father? And for this, we pray for thy great mercy. We pray for thy forgiveness, as these lepers that we heard in this morning hour, Father, nine who had turned away, who were healed, and who failed to give thanks unto thee. Father, we pray for a heart that would continually thank thee for all that we have, for all that we receive, and this morning hour, you have wakened each one of us, given us breath and life, strength to come here. You've given us food and raiment. You've given us a roof over our heads. You've given us the sun to shine, to give light to all things, the sun that shines upon the good and the evil, Father. And in this holy place, in this morning hour, there are those who have not made right with thee. Upon the four corners of this earth, millions and millions hate you and do evil against you, Father. And we pray for them, Father. We pray as thy people and thy children. We desire to see a world full of love, full of Christ-like people, but how far this world is from that. And so we pray in this morning, our Father, those who are gathered here, whom we can touch and whom we can speak to and, and confess and, and spend time with talking about the Word of God and for what you have done in our lives, we pray, O oh Father, that in this morning hour, if there's just one soul that would turn their heart unto you, and that would turn their mind to you and give their lives over unto you. It would, the word that has gone forth in this, mor in this morning hour would accomplish its purpose. And so, Father, we pray with a thankful heart 
for sending your Holy Son to die upon that cross, to shed his precious blood for the sins of the world and for all who would be in thy family, that they would be able to give their lives unto thee. And for this precious blood, we pray, O Father, that it would continually cleanse and cleanse those who are not within. In our hearts and minds, Father, not only for this great thing are we thankful for, but we are thankful for those people in our lives whom thou hast given, many of whom, whom are diseased. And Lord God, though they may be going through difficult times and our hearts go out to them, they are a blessing to us in our lives. And our heart goes out, as we have heard in this morning, our brother Richard, Father. But also our hearts and our minds go out to our dear sister Sarah Josick, who is in the throes of the of a very difficult point in her life, Father. And we as a church plead unto thee, O Father in heaven, touch her where she is hurting, where she feels the pain. We pray for healing, Father. And for our dear sister Vanessa, we pray unto thee, Father, for them. And for many others who are going through these difficult times, we pray, Father, be their comforter. And what a blessing it would be to be alive in those times when Jesus walked upon the face of this earth and to have the hand of Almighty God on your shoulder to say, be at peace, your faith has made you whole. Father, we pray not only for the blessing upon those who are physically sick but spiritually sick. Heal them, strengthen them, and put thy mighty and powerful hand upon them and grant unto them your wonderful protection, your wonderful strength, and your wonderful healing power, for you are the only true physician. Father, bless this day. Bless our gatherings. Bless our fellowship with each other. Strengthen us through the course of this day, and may we remain faithful and true unto thee until our dying breath. For only this strength comes from thee, O Father, and for this do we praise thee and thank thee and honor thee in the name of thy holy and perfect Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. To conclude the morning service, let's turn to 236, three verses. 236, three verses.
This morning we've heard a very um, encouraging, exhorting word on God's grace to us and our response to that grace of thankfulness, having a heart of gratitude, an attitude of gratitude. And um, as Brother Frank was preaching uh, today, he mentioned that we need to be thankful for everything, uh, thankful for the things that he doesn't give us. And as he was preaching that, a thought came to my mind, and, and I was thankful in my prayer as brother, the brother was praying uh, just a while ago. There was a, recently, there was an attack in, in Kenya, Nairobi, on a shopping mall where there were 67 purportedly killed by Al-Shabaab terrorists. And uh, last Sunday morning, I got an email from Brother Robert Ritzman, the minister from Richmond, from uh, Kitchener, Strasbourg Road. And he says, Doug, did you see this? Because only five weeks before that, we were in another shopping mall, not too far from that shopping mall in Nairobi. And it could well have been us. So upon Brother Frank's preaching this morning, in the middle of the prayer, I thank God that he spared us. Not so much that I was afraid for my own life, but because they were with us, those that were not converted and had not yet given their lives to Jesus Christ. The song that we sang last, I remember a long time ago reading about the origins of the words. And I can't remember the exact war, but a physician that was constantly carrying bodies off the field that were injured, that were killed, saw thousands and thousands of lives taken during this long-lasting war. Was the Hundred Year War? I don't know what it was. But in all of the, the misery and the bloodshed, he came up with the words of this song. All he could think about was, now thank we all our God. And you say, for what? But in the misery, he somehow was moved by God to pen these words. Now thank we all our God. And there's many reasons why we can thank our God. That God had spared us. That God had shown us and taught us lessons somehow. But we know that in the end, God knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. And we need to trust that he has everything going according to his plan. And because of that, we don't have to worry, as Brother Frank mentioned. May the Lord bless you and richly reward you for your efforts this morning, Brother Frank. We're thankful for the thoughts that God has given you upon your heart. And to this end, we'd like to thank God for all things this day, and for this, we would conclude our service.